Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. lover's lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. Jimmy Laval and his band The Album Leaf make sweeping, intricately layered music. The band joins us in the studio to play live and talk about how a side project turned into a full-time band. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. Also this hour, we review new albums from the XX and the Flaming Lips. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and coming up later in the show, we've got a conversation and studio performance by the album Leaf. But first, we're going to tackle some new releases. I don't blame you. We got carried away. I can't hold on to an empty space Now you've found a new start to orbit It could be love, I think you're too soon to call us old When and where did we go cold? I thought I had you on hold That is a little bit of On Hold, a track from the third album by the XX. I see you. Uh, Greg, when we had the group on the show back in 2010, uh, not long after the release of their debut album, I had no idea they were going to become as big an influence as they are now. Yeah. That debut, primarily crafted by three people, Romy Madley Croft, Oliver Sim, and Jamie Smith, sort of set the world on fire. Uh, it was a slow build, but the influence of this band in trying to merge uh, modern soul music, Rihanna, a big favorite, Aaliyah, with more alternative uh, traditional sounds like The Cure, I have always heard a little Cocteau Twins in there, has really become a major influence that puts them in this new wave of soul artists like Frank Ocean or uh, The Weeknd. The group's second album followed up on the promise of the first in 2012, and now we have album number three that comes complete with a prominent Hall and Oates sample. What is the XX giving us this third time around? Let's play a track and we'll come back and give our reviews. This is Dangerous by the XX from the new album I See You on Sound Opinions. They say we're in danger, but I disagree if proven wrong shame on me but you have faith in me so i won't shy away should it all fall down your love been my favorite mistake they say Only as it is 
That is Dangerous from the new XX album, I See You. Jim, you mentioned uh, Jamie Smith, a.k.a. Jamie XX. He released that uh, fine uh, debut album in 2015 in color that brought out these elements of chilled electro-pop and uh, a lot of genre hopping, and some of those elements are coming into the production here. It's a more expansive record on the part of the XX. Uh, Electro-R&B, that glitchy percussion... You know, when these guys first came out, I loved the fact that they were building on the minimalist tradition of bands like uh, Young Marble Giants yeah. and Galaxy 500. I loved the sound of that debut album. Uh, loved the second album, Coexist. This third album is trying to build a bridge to a new world. They're trying to expand their sound, but very gently, mm-hmm. you know? They're, well, they they're, do everything gently. They're not taking any big leaps here, uh, but they are sort of tentatively working their way out into this new world and introducing some funk elements. But I wouldn't call it funk like George Clinton funk. It's no. a, it's a little more furtive and, and shadowy in, in the tradition yeah. of all things the XX. Well, they're Londoners, Greg. Absolutely. If you recall, when we interviewed Romy on the show, she never looked up from under her hoodie. Yes, they were very quiet, uh, subdued people, and uh, they make quiet, subdued records. I love the subtlety in their music, but I also feel like they're trying to explore some new territory here and not quite getting all the way there. I, I point to a track like I Dare You, uh, where they're trying to be a little bit more up-tempo, almost a disco flair to that track, but the lyrics, a little more optimistic. They don't do optimism real well. They sound like, you know, it's like one of those wings of romance taking flight kind of cliches coming wow. out in this song. Get chills Heartbreak multiplies I'm on a different kind of A rush of blood is not Nah, this isn't really good uh, uh, XX music here. In fact, I'd rate that as the worst track the XX have ever released. So ah. that's not really a good sign um, for your new record. There's some really promising developments on this record, too. Uh, you know, a track like On Hold, I mentioned Dangerous. These are pointing away to the future in, in a way that they can make a fourth album uh, that expands beyond the territory that they did so perfectly, especially on that first record. They're finding a middle ground between where they were and where they want to be. They haven't quite got there yet. I'm going to give this a try it rating. Wow, I'm surprised you're not a bigger fan of this record, Greg, because it really uh, is striking me as something uh, pretty spectacular. I think the key is on hold, and and it's got that you know Daryl Hall uh, sample of of I can't go for that, no can do, right? 
Um, I think there is always something about whether we're talking about the blue-eyed soul of Hall and Oates or we're talking about Aaliyah's music, especially with Timbaland and, and Missy Elliott, um, where it's doing one thing on the grooves and it sounds sort of celebratory, but there's sort of an underlying darkness haunting sure. that music, you know, even in Hall and Oates, really, if you go back to those records. So it's one of these uh, uh, contrasting records where even when they're sounding rather cheerful in their groove, which is relative because they are a low-key band, uh, they are talking about deeper, darker uh, struggles within. Um, uh, and I love that. I love that contrast. I love the way this group has grown. I wouldn't have wanted it to do the same album three times in a row. I think this is pointing towards something really, really interesting here. And, and they're proving that they're a career band, something we never necessarily saw, even though we were huge fans of their debut back when. So I give it an enthusiastic buy it. That is the song The Castle from the new Flaming Lips album, the 14th studio album from these guys. It's called Oshi Mwada, which is a Polish word. And I apologize to all our Polish-speaking listeners and my late mother for butchering uh, that Polish phrase. I think you did pretty well. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Uh, that is a Polish phrase which means the eyes of the young. As I said, 14th studio record. They've had a long history, 34 years, dating back to the early 80s. Uh, post-punk bedfellows with bands like the Butthole Surfers and Sonic Youth and Ween came into a big melodic phase with uh, a breakthrough album in 1993, Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. The Soft Bulletin was a huge commercial seller in 1999. People know the song Do You Realize, which appeared on the 2002 album Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. That's been about 3 million TV commercials, yeah, yeah. that particular song. And then they've gone into a... a, a an experimental phase, for lack of a better word, and that's and, and saying that's really saying something about the Flaming Lips. <laughs> They've had an up and down uh, decade. Here's a collaboration between Miley Cyrus and the Flaming Lips that caps their 14th studio album, Ashi Mwade. It's called "We a Family" on Sound Opinions.
That is We A Family by The Flaming Lips from their 14th studio album, Ashi Mwadi. In case you're scratching your head at home, that is O-C-Z-Y-M-L-O-D-Y. Greg, uh, this may or may not be a concept album. There has been some chatter by Wayne Coyne that it features a loose story about a drug that makes people sleep for three months and dream of having sex on unicorns. Wayne, of course, does not always tell the truth. Uh, Wayne has said, and I think there's a little more truth to this, that he wanted this album to be Sid Barrett meets ASAP Rocky. There is a sort of electronic glitchiness. It is a rather sleepy album. Uh, It does not have some of the hallmark tunefulness that have made the Lips a great band, uh, with certain exceptions. Uh, You know, that track we played, We A Family, that features Miley Cyrus uh, is pretty good, and I greatly prefer that song to anything they did on the album where they actually collaborated. Uh, The Lips backed her up in 2015 as Miley Cyrus and her dead pets. (laughs) Uh, That was was just a, a very embarrassing period for the Lips. I do not think the Lips have had a good new millennium. I think, uh, They've been just churning out product without really putting in the time. In the past, they would spend years working on an album, really crafting uh, these grand orchestral twisted psychedelic backdrops to what essentially were very simple pop songs. They would start with Wayne playing on acoustic guitar. Um, You know, I think if you remove the production uh, from these records, and Stephen Droz, the drummer and main musical guy in the band, remains a, a great sonic craftsman, as does their frequent collaborator, Dave Fridman, the producer in upstate New York. Um, if you remove all that, I don't think there's any catchy little song with an acoustic guitar here anymore. There, there's very little to give you a, a grasp on this album to keep you coming back. It's an atmospheric, ambient record. It's not awful, but it is not anywhere in league with the Flaming Lips at their very best. So for me, it is a Try It record on our buy it, try it, trash it scale. Yeah, Jim, I think for about a decade, uh, this may have been my favorite band, but I I sort of rolled off the bandwagon after uh, the uh, 2002 record, uh, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots, and have never really climbed back on in in large measure because of what you addressed there. I think the, the songwriting has fallen off. This is a decent effort. It's not a bad record. It it hangs together as sort of an ambient mood piece. It's kind of that got this lost in space vibe that they carry through the entire album. But I, I can only identify about four things on this album that qualify as actual songs. Uh, that The Castle song, How, uh, Sunrise, Eyes of the Young, which is a, a mm-hmm. pretty melody. That's one of the better melodies that they've come up with in recent years. Does it take Miley Cyrus to get these guys to write songs anymore? I give it a try it rating at best, Jim, because there are certainly many Flaming Lips records in their discography. There are immense discography to buy ahead of this one. Yeah, absolutely, Greg, and I think it's worth taking a minute to talk about this band since they have been one of the most important in your career or mine in terms of us really uh, loving this group. It's weird to me as a sociological observer and a journalist and their biographer. I wrote a book about this band called Staring at Sound. Um, that, that the current 
Lips audience is almost completely blissfully unaware of anything before the soft bulletin in 1999 or Yoshimi battles the pink robots in 2002. If they even know those records, they know this as a good band to go party with in the field at, at this, <laughs> uh, you know, big festival concert, right? They're always entertaining. Whereas I think the discography stands with some of the best in the history of rock. I would give you two places to go for two very different masterpieces. In 1990, after years of just being the replacements on acid, a sloppy garage band that does this psychedelic uh, uh, babbling, they make a record called In a Priest-Driven Ambulance. They're bringing in marching band instruments. They're recording outside. They're doing everything they ever wanted to do that, that mesmerized them on records by the likes of Pink Floyd. And they're doing it in, in an indie rock way that also has incredible songwriting. If you like the lips today, listen to this record and you will have your mind well <laughs> and truly blown. You know, the other masterpiece that people are unaware of today, Greg, is Transmissions from the Satellite Heart. Comes out in 1993. You and I both named it as the <laughs> album of the year in a year that gave us Nirvana's In Utero. Yeah. We were bigger fans of this record. Why? Incredibly powerful drumming. A young player named Stephen Drost came on board. He's now the band's multi-instrumentalist. But boy, was he a great Bonham-esque drummer in the early days. And Ronald Jones, who made sounds on the guitar like none I've ever heard. Playing his guitar with a jerry-rigged electric razor with weird pickups in it and more <laughs> pedals that he built at home than anything I've ever seen. That combination of very strange sounds with very, very catchy melodies pushed forward by this incredibly heavy rhythm section. I mean, that was unbeatable. That, that, that record stands. Go back, kids, if all you know is the Miley Cyrus lips and hear those two records. Now we want to hear your opinion. What do you think of the new releases from the XX or the Flaming Lips? Give us a call or leave us a message on our hotline at 888-859-1800. Or you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Coming up, the Album Leaf joins us live in the studio for a performance and conversation. That's all coming up in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott, and our guest today is the Album Leaf. You know, Greg, as you can hear there, uh, the Album Leaf uh, is, I think, unique on the current music scene in so effectively merging the cutting edge of electronic uh, experimentation, electronic uh, music making, with very old-fashioned organic music making and and, and kind of folky songwriting, you know, songs that can stand up, played just on an acoustic guitar, but enter another universe in the studio. Uh, Jimmy Laval is the main man from the beginning. It started as a one-man band in his bedroom in San Diego. Uh, He had been in louder underground bands before, and then he was on the post-rock scene in a band called Tristessa, and he began making these sort of soundtracks for movies that didn't exist, (laughs) all right, but movies that that lived in his head. I saw them uh, as a band two or several times. Uh, around In a Safe Place 2004 and In the Blue Again 2006. What struck me is at a time where we had a lot of these Laptronica bands, you know, electronic musicians sitting there in front of their Mm. laptop, hitting one key, and that's a concert. Uh, Jimmy Laval always was concerned about live performance, uh, bringing in, you know, violin and, and interesting percussion played live on top of electronic backing tracks. Their latest record is Between Waves. It was their first in eight years. Uh, And while they were touring behind that, we had the album Leaf here in the studio. In addition to Jimmy Laval, the band leader, Matt Rezovich on violin and electronics, Dave LeBleu on drums, Bradley on bass. Uh, Because of how great they are in concert and how different from on album, I started by asking how Jimmy approaches live performance with the album Leaf. There's a lot of thought in the production. There's a lot of thought and like the presentation and the visuals and like the whole show the whole experience so does that come from having been in in, in a band um yeah you know four guys i mean not yeah totally album leaves a band but yeah because four did, guys with no totally guitar based drum yeah no I, it, it totally does i mean i did like plenty of solo shows too where it was like and for those moments it worked you know it was like mm-hmm. living room things and like you know just kind of doing loops and creating things from scratch and that actually turned into me being like, I don't want to do this. And then so they started to play with me live. Um, late 90s, is it 97, 98? Uh, you're in a band called Tristessa yes, in San Diego. Uh, a fine instrumental band, but you begin the album Leaf as a solo recording project. Yeah. Why? I, I am a pianist, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tristezza was like a guitar outlet for me. So things that I just kind of created on piano um, with my four track kind of ended up being album leaf. And then also songs that were written for Tristezza that didn't quote unquote make the cut. Mm-hmm. You know, I turned into my own pieces as well. Um, and then from then it just kind of turned into like, you know, necessary outlet. And all of that turned into to album leaf. It kind of took on a life of its own. You know, the, the recordings were really well received from the beginning, yeah, six albums luckily. ago. Yeah, yeah. And that first recording was a t- complete improv from front to back for the most really? part, not knowing I was being recorded. So.
how did the album Leaf evolve from you, uh, you know, alone, recording on a four-track to, to a band? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I think it's just like cycle of like life span, I guess. I mean, the project's been out for around for 17 years. You know, I, I'm a multi-instrumentalist, so when I make a record, it includes drums, it includes bass, it includes guitars, it includes all the parts and pieces to be a quote-unquote band. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then, you know, it just turned into that, like wanting to recreate that when I played a show. So this album was recorded with the band that you're touring with now? Yeah. And that's a first for you? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, the storyteller is gone. Yeah, of course, the storyteller also was kind of recorded in the same kind of way, but it wasn't as um, it wasn't as uh, creative or collaborative, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a little more of just like repeating what I had done. This was definitely like um, you know a little bit of just like my ideas, but totally embellished and taken to another level by everybody. Was that just something you hadn't done and wanted to try? I mean, it's just I just never really like ready to fully trust everybody mm. i guess relinquish that quote-unquote control you know right, that, right, right. Um, that is my baby you know yeah. whatever <laughs> but now you have two real babies Ex- yeah, nothing, yeah, le- nothing like a dad yeah, yeah. to make you learn how yeah. to uh, becoming a dad you learn how to relinquish control you learn how to share right yeah, oh yeah you gotta like share your whole just like you know you're cheating your kids how to share i gotta teach myself how to share i guess yeah. <laughs> all right so uh, give us a song and tell us how this came together then with the band since between waves was recorded as a group um, this one basically started evolved from a Rhodes loop, um, and then the Fender Rhodes, an, a, yeah. a, an instrument for those who don't know, an instrument you love. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. weird, right? Because it yeah. is, you know, it's built by Fender, first of all, which yeah. makes a guitar. Yeah. You know, and it feels like a piano because yeah. there's weighted keys, and it weighs like a piano too, and it weighs a million <laughs> pounds, right? But it's electronic. Uh, no, it's acoustic actually. There's electronics in the inside, but everything inside is hardware and mechanical, and then it just is amplified by the pickup. So it starts with your favorite Fender Fender Rhodes. Yes, and then like a Korg Volca Beats loop, and that's all I really had. Um, I had kind of a slick little little bass groove um, and like a melody. And then, you know, the drums just made sense to kind of like just like double that and then kind of embellish on that too. And then Matt added a couple little slick little counter melodies, and um, Brad really just kind of like brought the bass groove to life and Mm -hmm. and there it is cool and we didn't even say what it was called the song is called new soul
New Soul by the Album Leaf, live on Sound Opinions. Great stuff. So, Jimmy, obviously that song has vocals. Probably 78, 80% of Album Leaf's catalog doesn't yes. have vocals. I've always wondered, as a fan, uh, how you decide the track needs that extra added element of voice. Um, I don't really know. There's kind of a a little bit of a process of elimination, I guess. Um, that song, I felt like, had the room to kind of double that melody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, like, it's such a simple, like, rhythmic song that I kind of felt like it's, you know, it's got that place to kind of, you know, be pushed a little bit further. And then there's also often um, my kind of my vocal lyrical collaborator, his name is Paul Jenkins, from the band The Black Harper Session. Um listens to what I have too and he sometimes gets ideas that are sparked and then we'll roll off that. So it's kind of like it's kind of that process too. So it's if it speaks to him. Yeah. He starts a lyric and then you do you add to it or is it just his words? Uh no, I I I often oh I add to it and I often change things too. He tends to be a little bit darker than me. Um <laughs> but <laughs> um so I kind of brighten the mood sometimes. said uh one of the things that inspires you to sit down and begin new songs is is new toys new gear yeah uh and 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 ableton was yes. part of i have no idea what that is <laughs> i mean i'm pretty good yeah with synth geek stuff this is a software and it's sampling based or sa- uh, enables well, you to sample it's easy to sample so for instance i have like a gigantic wall of analog sense and mm-hmm. you know gear um at home and i'm able to kind of like compartmentalize all of that into this so there you go it's kind of fantastic for that because those beasts yeah. are are unwieldy and we carry. did that for years too i mean to be honest i would love to be able to do that but yeah. i mean when it's just us like you know five dudes rolling around in a van right and trailer right. With, well know, and the disadvantage people don't and... understand is those <laughs> machines can surprise you which is yeah. what's wonderful about them that too but then yeah. also try to find the same sound twice yeah a lot of that a lot of that is kind of an element too i mean think some of those things just don't travel well and they get you get to a place and you have some kind of glitch or whatever but, i mean yeah. essentially the same can be said about computers too like relying on it so yeah. um but it's definitely a safer bet you know and i kind of have more fun being able to layer like i, I had more fun like kind of like starting with a sound and then adding another sound underneath it mm-hmm. and then adding another sound underneath it, creating a new sound from like three different scents and then being able to just take one and just like, you know, right. that's like three different sounds layered right there to right. create one lead. It's like a Casio tone and a, a Moog synthesizer and a, you know, like all running through delay, you know, just like that yeah. kind of idea that I can do that is, right. you know, is awesome. So Ableton is essentially was allowing you to build your own instruments. Yeah. For yeah. sure, yeah, and then also, its workflow is really kind of inspiring and creative um, mm-hmm. because oftentimes when you're re- recording or making a song or something, you're kind of going like linear. You know, I'm gonna work on the verse, and then you know, or like I'm verse to chorus, and you're kind of tracking, and then you mm-hmm. mess up, and you go, oh, I gotta go back, and 
go forward, go forward. Oh, I got to go back. I messed up. You know, with Ableton, yeah. it's just continuous until you actually hit stop. So you can just keep. Uh, so I can be working on a song for like an hour. Yeah. And just like, in the meantime, like throwing down all the different ideas that I that are coming to me and then being able to go back and find all of those moments mm-hmm. and fine tune those moments. So You know, there's so many downsides with the digital revolution. Uh, not the least of them, you know, disruption, as the techies say, mm-hmm. is the death of journalism, my old career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but boy, the undo button has saved humanity, hasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. Apple Z. Uh, can you give us another song and tell us what it's going to be? Um, yeah, this song is called Never Far.
Never Far by the Album Leaf, live on Sound Opinions. We're here in the studio with Matt Rezovich, Brad Lee, Dave LeBlue, and Jimmy Laval. I've read a quote where you said you consider yourself really lucky to have been able to make a living uh, making music, <laughs> um, uh, which, is, which is rare. I mean, it's really rare. It, we can count... Uh, you know, on, on a few fingers, the number yeah. of people who are, who are doing that. I would not want to start a band now. I think I feel like it'd be so difficult to, I mean, even we're seeing like, you know, so much traffic on tour and so much traffic with releases and all mm-hmm. that kind of business. And, and it just seems like would not want to start from scratch right now. But even so even during 10 years between albums, uh, you're able to support yourself and, and your family. Yeah, look, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still working, like, you know, as far as like uh, doing soundtracks and, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, I have a uh, you know, pretty good, I guess, licensing. You know, I get a lot of really little licenses that just, you know, they're not, they're not high paying. I'm not, you know, doing anything like that, but it's just a lot of them, and it's just, you know, I'm able to kind of, like, sustain that. Well, there is something so, inherently cinematic about yeah. your music. It seems to lend itself. Uh, yeah. How about one, one more? Um, what are you guys going to play? Oh, we're going to play a track called Glimmering Lights. Excellent.
The album Leaf, Glimmering Lights. It's been a pleasure having the album Leaf on Sound Opinions. Matt Rezovich on violin and electronics and vocals and uh, Dave LeBlu on drums and vocals and electronics and uh, Bradley on bass and trumpet and electronics and vocals even uh, and Jimmy Laval, the uh, multi-instrumentalist at the core of it all. Thanks for having us. Over at soundopinions.org, you can find video of the album Leaf's performance in our studios. After a short break, Jim has a Desert Island jukebox pick. Jim, what do you got for us this week? Well, Greg, you know, both the uh, XX album and the Flaming Lips have been a little sleepy, and certainly album Leaf was lulling into a gentle place. Now I'm going to pick up the pace when we come back. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Hey, podcast listeners, sign up for the Sound Opinions newsletter, and every week you'll get a preview of the show and a heads up about our upcoming events. Go to soundopinions.org for more info. I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. As often as possible, we like to take a trip to the desert island and play a track we cannot live without. Jim, this week it's your turn. Greg, after a show that's been dominated by rather ambient, mellow sounds, I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction with a band from Lafayette, Indiana, called Dow Jones and the Industrials, back in that nascent heyday where American punk was coming into being. You know, this is a band lost to the uh, pages of history, that period uh, of punk explosion in America that gave people, you know, people who didn't fit, people who didn't look like rock stars, the license to suddenly try to make rock on their own. It remains a, a great period in rock history. I'm thinking of bands like Perubu in Cleveland, right, fronted by David Thomas, who looked like Oliver Hardy, right? And I think that Dow Jones and the Industrials from Indiana are a band like that, at least in the sense that they had an electronic uh keyboard player who mainly just made noise, mm-hmm. much like Perubu. And then they have this very abrasive rhythm section and a hellbent for leather guitar. So it's Purdue 1976 and, and Greg Horn moves 
to go to school there from Philadelphia. He'd, he'd heard, you know, the Stooges and the New York Dolls in New York. He'd even been to CBGB. He gets to Lafayette, Indiana, and there's nothing happening. Nothing <laughs> at all. It's dead, right? And it kind of still is, right? He, he uh, hooks up with a classmate, Chris Clark, and, and Chris likes uh, freaky stuff as well. So they decide to form a band that is going to, quote, rail against societal norms, right? There's a revolutionary aspect to it, they've recalled. Um, they begin performing wherever they can. The first gig is at a mental hospital. <laughs> the second is in the pigsty as part of the 4-H uh, County Fair Festival, right? <laughs> this is not a band that had spectacular gigs. Um, they figure to raise the profile of the group, they'll run Clark as student body president, and he actually wins. <laughs> and so, the you know, he comes up with, uh, you know, what what is he going to do now? What he does is begin taking student affairs money and hiring their friends' bands to play. <laughs> So this is a band uh, that, that, that made something out of nothing like many of the great early punk bands, 79 to 81. During that time, there was a, a self-titled 7-inch EP. There was a split album with a band called The Gizmos. They got a very nice reissue that kind of shed light on this period. But, you know, it was short, it was smart, and then it was done. Can't Stand the Midwest, 1979 to 1981, is the best of collection. Just came out uh, last year. I'm going to play the title track, Can't Stand the Midwest. Right? They're, they're bored. They're stuck here. There's nothing going on, and they're railing against <laughs> it in that great punk rock tradition. Here's Dow Jones and the Industrials on Sound Opinions. Isn't that great, Greg? How, how, we, we never even knew of this band, and they were not all that far from us. Dow Jones and the Industrials can't stand the Midwest. <laughs> you got to love that, Jim. And we got more to be excited about next week. Krautrock. We're yeah. going to dig into this era of uh, German art rock in the 70s and explain why bands like Kraftwerk and Can were so influential. Greg, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Mary Gaffney recorded the album Leaf, and Andrew Gill shot our video. And Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banasak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and Ayana Contreras.
you can't get through. Why don't you leave your name up and your number, and I'll get back to you. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. My name is Robert LeBlanc from Detroit, Michigan, and I have two comments. You played a show that had half Esperanza and half David Bowie. Esperanza is going to be considered a genius very up to the moment and and looking towards the future. Definitely psychedelic rock blended with all the other influences. She's a monster. Okay, second comment. David Bowie has always been infused with love for jazz, you know, tunes like Young American and, you know, Absolute Beginners is definitely part of the jazz idiom, at least inflected, and uh, for you to say he's not uh, good at the jazz idiom or whatever is doing him a disservice. David Boy was a genius. Don't discredit him. Hi, this is Karen in Evanston. Um, I'm just calling about the I'm Sorry show. I liked it very much. Um, there's one song I thought could have worked there. It's I Apologize by Helen Shapiro, the young English belter woman from the 60s. Um, and I, who I think you could actually compare to Amy Winehouse. was a little more pop than rock, um, but she did do that short tour in the, uh, 1963 with the Beatles. So there's that. We love the show. My husband and I listen to it every week. Thanks a lot. Bye. Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Wes from Prospect, Ohio. I just finished listening to the All Apologies episode. And while I did uh, find some gems in there with the Husker Do, I got to say I was really disappointed not to hear Apology Song by the Decembrists from their Five Songs EP. Uh, the protagonist in the song is very sorry. He was entrusted with a bicycle named Madeline that uh, apparently was stolen. Uh, he was usually pretty good about locking it up, but uh, this time it just got away from him. How you doing? Uh, my name is Donald. I'm from Chicago. Um, love you guys. I always appreciate your opinion, uh, especially when you guys disagree on songs. But i got to tell you, I'm a little disappointed about uh, what you missed uh, with the Apology songs. I know there's millions of them out there, but when you think of the obvious songs that uh, are about apologies, like Ain't Too Proud to Beg or something, how could you not include the opening lyrics to Prince Purple Rain? I 
doesn't quite go on to say that he's sorry for it, but you know he is. And besides, anything that ends with a searing guitar solo for four minutes, how bad can it be? No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.